Welcome to the Independent Brokers Podcast. Your host, Joseph Goslin, interviews independent real estate brokers from around the country asking about all the things we all want to know, recruiting, commission breakdowns, lead generation, technology tools, and more. And now to the show. Welcome, everybody, to the Independent Broker Podcast. And today we have Guillermo Serafin. Guillermo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate having me on here. Awesome. Guillermo is from California. And Guillermo, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got started in real estate, and then how you ended up being an independent broker. And we'll take it from there. Sounds good. So I started back in real estate in 2004. I was doing massage therapy before then. And the home that I was living in was about to be sold, but they gave me to buy it if I wanted it. And at that point, I didn't know much about real estate. Real estate wasn't on my radar. I had the typical mindset of, oh, you need a bunch of money down and you need a perfect credit and things like that. So I was talking to one of my patients at the time and she was telling me, she's like, oh, go talk to my, my son. He's a broker and he helps out people. So I did and he did. He helped me. And throughout the process, he told me that I picked up on everything and that he taught a class for free of his way. That was his way of giving back to an industry that gave him so much and that did I want to take it? So I did. And the rest is history. That's how I started off with the independent brokerage, been independent pretty much, I would say, almost the entire time that I've been licensed. I've been at a couple different big brands just because I was doing consulting and they required me to have my license with them. But Otherwise, I did own a franchise for Berkshire Hathaway with one of my business partners back then, but always go back to being independent. That's awesome. How does your brokerage look like right now? How many agents do you have? What's your GCI? Just so we'll have an idea of volume. So we're a very niche brokerage and we only have two agents technically under our under our brokerage because we don't do we haven't done any recruiting prior to this my entire when I first got in the business I was brought in by somebody who did investing and flips and things like that so that's what my my business has always been at is the off-market deals I'm also a licensed mortgage broker and insurance broker so we've done we didn't do any recruiting or anything like that I've got two agents under me right now just now this year because we're seeing that the market's shifting and people are trying to find something that works for them. Like we thrive when the mar- when everybody else is panicking, that's when we thrive. I love 2008. It wasn't, it wasn't good in all aspects, but I loved in the sense of how easy it was to do business because everybody else was panicking. So we're ramping that back up now. We're, we're just now going to start actively recruiting. Gotcha. Be greedy when everybody's fearful and be fearful when everybody's greedy. That's a exactly. one buffing quote. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You're looking at growing this year and you have two agents right now. What is your commission structure? What do you guys offer on your commission structure? So the way we do it is everything is custom. It's We start off at an 80-20. That's pretty much what we do. And the way that we do it that's different is that we provide everything for the agent. The way I always looked at it was I came into real estate as a business owner. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17. I'm 46 as of the time of this recording. And what I learned is that agents thrive at being agents. They don't do so well at doing the back end stuff. So we provide support on all aspects of the back end. I'm available seven days a week. I've always had, even when I had bigger offices and things of that nature, 
always available because one of my attorneys told me is the questions you answer now will prevent the lawsuits and probably. So we start out at 80-20. We do customize things for special occasions, but I'll be honest with you, I'd rather start somebody that is brand new, that is hungry and wants to learn and is going to make a difference in their life than to go out and recruit like a top producer who's maybe, if we're going to speak generally, who's got their own system, wants to do it their own way. I don't want people who that want to do it their way. I want people that fit into how we do it. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And I think I mentioned that in one of the podcasts before is a matter of I can bring the most value to the people that have done maybe three, four, five transactions last year, and they want to do 10, 20, 30 this year. Going out there and getting a top producer that already did 130 transactions last year, I don't know how much value I can bring to them personally. So I don't know why I would go out and recruit these guys uh, when they can go be broker themselves. I don't know why they're not brokers if they're doing that much volume. Right. So for me, because I do a lot of business consulting in the real estate space, like I do a lot of coaching for broker, entire brokerages and individual agents and producers, I can always find the way to provide value. The reason I don't recruit for the look for those is because they have their own processes and they want to do it their way. And like you said, they could become a broker, but it's all about the liability being passed on to you. And that's why I only want people that want to do it my way. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, in our world, almost all the brokerages around us have caps. So there's a very low threshold on the cap side of things. We cap at $25,000, which is very much like Keller Williams and the other big guys. And it's kind of, what value do I have as a business? Like you said, take all the liability from somebody that does 100 and something transactions a year and my upside is limited to $25,000. Totally understand where you're coming from. And again, we created this business for ourselves because we want to do things a certain way. We want things done our way. And then bringing somebody from the outside and telling him to, it will be wrong to tell them to change the system and the process that already works so great for them. Exactly. If they like it, people switch brokerages because there's a need. If somebody switches because they want 5% more, then they're not going to stay wherever they switch to. And you've got to really dial in. But this is part of the consulting that I do is that you've really got to dial into who you, who's going to benefit the most at your brokerage. You can't just say that any agent you can make successful because if you're being completely honest, you can't. There's certain agents that your systems, your processes, your personality thrive with, and there's others that won't. And until you dial that in, you're not going to be able to recruit and retain the way you want to. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I had a conversation like that about our brokerage and we focus on working with investors. So for me, like a luxury high-end five plus million dollar homes is probably not going to get as much value from me as an agent that want to work with investors and want to invest themselves and want to understand the investing side of real estate. So you're absolutely right. Go ahead. I was going to say along those lines, like that's what we, that's what we specialize in is like you, the off market, the creative, the hard to do deal. I'll step in. We get how real estate is. There's always personality conflicts sometimes, but I'm going to take over a transaction and I don't charge extra to my agents and never have like Again, it's just, I know who I can work with best. And that's somebody who's hungry and wants to learn. And my job is to get them to the point where maybe they will open their own brokerage one day. And I'm good with that because 
then we'll probably partner on some other businesses. Like I don't just, oh, you're going to be an agent for me or until the wheels fall off. It's no, I'm going to build you to be a business person and then we'll see what else we get into. Exactly. One of our training categories or pillars, if you want to call it, is building a profitable business because, and I, we do that from a very selfish perspective, right? There's 87% drop rate in our industry in the first five years. And I feel that if we don't teach them how to you treat this as a business, how to create a profitable business, we're just going to lose them to that statistic. And I'm very selfishly training them how to build a profitable business. So they'll stay in the industry and they'll stay with us for as long as they want. But I don't want to see them drop because, oh, I forgot to put money aside for taxes or I didn't realize I need to create a budget for my marketing and so on. So you're absolutely spot on that one. So let's talk recruiting for a second. How did you get your two agents and what's the plan for 2023 to recruit more agents? So the plan for 2023 is we're just going to over deliver when it comes to education. What I try to tell agents that I do business consulting with and I help build their recruiting models and everything else is information. I attended a Tony Robbins UPW this last weekend, right? And he said something that that struck with me, like it was a great saying that I liked. He said, people are overwhelmed with information while starving for wisdom. And that was something that like really clicked, and especially in our industry. It's how many times do you see on your newsfeed the one post that everybody is copying, right? You know, whatever it may be, whatever the saying is, there's always one post that goes viral. And like that simple thing that agents don't realize because a couple things. One, they post it like if it was their post, right? They don't even, most of them don't say, oh, I got this from a friend or anything like that, which is a qualifier, which... If you think that you're the only real estate agent that somebody's seen, then you're already shooting yourself in the foot. Most have three to 10 agents on their friends list. Yep. So if you just actually read some articles, and this is what I do for one of the, so I run this prospecting group and you know this program where I help people build their businesses. And what I tell them is if you just go through and you grab an article, you'd be surprised how many different strategies you can build from one article for buyers, for sellers, for your agents. And it's all there. The information's there and nobody's doing it because what? It takes work. So that's what my recruiting strategy is that I'm going to show them how to build what I call a dream customer acquisition system. Because I do this for not only real estate agents and brokers, but I do this for all kinds of other industries. I work with, right now I'm working with a supplement company from Vive. I'm working with a belly dancer. I'm working with all these different businesses and industries that I, because marketing, like I said, I've been into, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17. So marketing and running a business is what I do. Real estate just happens to be one of the other businesses that I'm involved in. Yeah. Marketing is marketing, right? You just got to know who your audience is, is and how to reach out to them. In your brokerage, do you guys buy leads, use systems that generate leads? Do you offer leads to your agents? How do you handle all that? We do all of the above. So we run we run ads, we do organic, organic lead gen, and we also offer them to the agents for the, the if they want them, then they want them and we partner on them. If they don't, if they don't want them, then you know, they do their own thing and we help them nurture whatever they got going on, help build systems that they've got going on. 
Okay, so do you guys directly put ads on Facebook and Google, or do you guys use a system like Sync, BombBomb, or any other ERA Interactive? What do you guys use? No, because we do this for other agents and brokers. We build everything out ourselves. So you build we, it all in-house. Okay. All in-house. We have an entire marketing department from tech to, to ad, ad management to you name it, we've got it. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of the brokers out there are interested in these things and they're trying to figure out what's the best way to go about it. So what do you say is your average ad spend a month and what is a decent outcome out of it? So everything in life is a funnel, right? Marketing specifically. So if I spend a thousand dollars a month, how many leads should I expect to get at the top of the funnel? And after everything is said and done, how many closings should I expect to see from those leads? next month, two months, three months from now, how does your funnel look like? So like with anything else, it's always going to depend on the systems and the follow-up, but I'll give you some general terms and numbers to go off of, right? We don't, we don't run a new campaign until it's proven itself. And we do $15 a day until we get proven and we get traction. If the agent can handle volume, we'll up it. But if they can't, $15 a day will get you a couple hundred leads a month. And you're probably looking at a five to 6% conversion rate on those. And then it's just all about how well the agent is. Average to close, a good one is going to close 50 to 60% of those. And I'm talking about a good agent on online leads, but the average is probably going to do 20 to 30%. Of the five to 6% conversions. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's normal numbers. And this is what a lot of the people out there don't understand how internet leads work. Realistically, from the top of the funnel to the bottom, you're looking at about two to 3% conversion on a good day. Yeah. And, but the thing is that you have to remember is that it's all about nurturing and following up and how you do it. Because I'll give you an example. We've got leads because we do a lot of testing, right? So we ran them lead ads last year. I think it was, no, the, I don't know. In fact, these were leads that were sitting in our CRM since 2020. We had gotten another, like we said, and I told you, we do a lot of off-market stuff. We had gotten a property in Sacramento off-market that was about to be a listing. And we shot an email to the all the people that opted in for Sacramento properties. And we had one respond that was interested that had been sitting in our CRM since 2020 and we hadn't touched it, but it was just the right email at the right time. So that, that what you have to remember is that two to 4% conversion rate is only what happens in the first 90 days. The, rest, the conversion comes way after. Yeah, if you nurture it. If you're nurturing and if you understand marketing at the level where, hey, I'm not just sending these people junk. I'm re I'm actually reaching out with stuff that looks like I wrote it myself or with genuine value and things of that nature. Absolutely. You mentioned if you hand over the leads to an agent and they want to partner on it, partner on it, which kind of leads me to that's probably a different commission split than the irregular 80-20. Yeah. Yeah. How's it look like? 50-50. So that goes into 50-50. Okay, that's pretty standard for what we've heard so far from other brokers. Uh, do you guys have caps? I forgot to ask about the commission split. No, we don't have caps. Is that standard in your area? Just not. Everybody's got caps. We just don't do it. Everybody has caps. You guys just chose not to do that. Yeah, okay. because the way, that I, the way that I view it is not going to stop helping you because you paid me X amount of dollars. 
my job doesn't stop after a little bit. So your investment in making sure that you still get all the services you want, it's like with anything else, right? If you bought a car and you had car payments, you can't make six months of payments and then still want to drive it for a year. Yeah. Understood. Okay. And I'm guessing that's a little bit of an objection when you have an interview with a recruit. How do no, you overcome that? It goes back to who are you looking to recruit, right? So I'm looking to, I'm looking to recruit hungry people who want to, who want the mentorship, want that handholding, want all the back end. So they know that they're going to have to pay for it one way or another. You've got, you know, and every model works for everybody, right? So you've got agents that are looking for, I just want to play a fat fee per transaction, right? Because they've got everything under the sun. They've got their marketing. They've got everything dialed in. They don't need anything. It's great. Type of agent that I'm attracting the type of agent that wants to build wealth through through real estate and is doing this as a career that they know takes in order for you to skip all the bumps and bruises is going to take to have a mentor. So okay. instead of needing to go out and hire a coach, instead of needing to pay another third party after after you've already gotten your split or whatever you saved all this money at your brokerage but then you're going to go out and dump all that money somewhere else we're going to make sure that you're covered on all ends and we're going to take care of it gotcha that makes sense so in terms of marketing back to marketing for a second do you do any campaigns or any ad spend or any other activities just to promote the brand so it's not for lead specifically it's not to get prospective buyers or seller to reach out to you just activities, marketing activities, whether it's paid or unpaid, to put out the brokerage name? So we put out marketing that's top of funnel awareness. And it's not necessarily put the broker name out there. It's to collect audiences that we can segment and retarget for other things later. So we do a monthly market update. And again, we're contrarian to everybody else. We don't, there's nobody featured on it it's just music with stats and things of that nature and people watch it because it's boring so i always tell people like i want the boringest ad videos on that top of funnel because i don't want people to think of me as oh that guy does amazing videos and he does real estate i want them to think oh that guy does real estate and i've seen some of his videos right like real estate's what i want Known for in that when I'm running those ads. I don't want to be known for that. That's the funny video that they want to share with their friend. If you're not interested in real estate, then I don't want you watching the video. That, that's an interesting approach. I've heard it go both ways. Catalina, more towards you. If I'm going to have eyeballs, I want the right eyeballs on our ads and our marketing materials. But some people have this approach of eyeballs is eyeballs. I want as many eyeballs as I can on the ads on the, the videos. I'm not sure which side of things is right, but I'm leaning more towards your approach here. Yeah. It, like that's the beauty of our industry is that there's so many different ways to do it. It's just along the same lines as right now you start to see people, oh, price improvement. Well, it's, not <laughs> it's not necessarily a price improvement. It's you didn't take it at the right price. And people would say, I'm going, we can spend hours on this. It's negotiations, right? Everything you do in life is a negotiation. The moment that you step into a seller's house and you allow them to choose a price that you know it's not going to sell for, you've given up your position as a professional. You are now an order taker. Yes. And so you know what? Sometimes it's part of the business. Sometimes you have a client that has a strong mind, but I will not just take the order and say, okay, 
I will make sure they understand my opinion. They understand why I gave my opinion. And at the end of the day, I'll tell my clients, look, I'm the expert, but you're the boss. You want to go that route? That's fine. But just a hospital makes you sign when you leave against medical advice. I will make sure that my clients know that this is going against what I think should be done. But at the end of the day, it's their house. They want to put it on the market at that price. Go ahead. Just realize what the consequences are going to be. And that's one of those things, again, that everybody does things different, right? Like for me, if they're going to price it where I know it's not going to sell, I'm just not going to take the listing. Even if they agree to drop the price later, it's not worth my time because I'm, to me, I know what that's going to cause down the road. I know that most of those clients that, you know, they're not going to give you referrals. They're not going to, because they don't remember the fact that they agreed to drop the price if it didn't work. What they remember is that they had to drop their price. True. On the other side of that statement is I'm going to get the buyer leads from that transaction regardless. Yeah, I said, there's no wrong way. That's what, that's the beauty of this industry. There's no wrong way of doing it. Yes. And that's really where you're right. They'll remember that they had to drop the price. But if I was pretty intentional at the beginning and not just say, okay, let's put it at that price, then I don't think they'll hold that against me. But again, different clients, different personalities. Some people can never be happy no matter (laughs) what you do, right? We've seen all those types in our career. That's the truth. It sounds like your organization is very techy. You guys have a lot of technology and a lot of experience because I'm like you. I have, before I committed myself to real estate 100%, I had 17 years career in software development and I worked for large corporations. So I'm very techy. I'll run our own Facebook ads and Google pay-per-click ads and so on. But most brokers out there usually use services and use tools for all these things. With that said, what is your technology stack? What do you guys like to use with software like CRM or transaction coordination? What do you encourage your clients to, to use? Any cool stuff? So what we do is we have that because we do marketing for, like I said, a bunch of different companies and industries. We've got access to all the platforms, click funnels, lead, lead pages, high level. High level is our CRM that we go to. Go we high go to level. High, yeah, go high level. And then what we did is we, I partnered with a gentleman who's a genius at computers. We created an IDX integration so that high level is a real estate CRM with our integration. So on the front end, you've got IDX broker widgets and all that, and you can customize those using CSS and all that good stuff. But then we've made it through the API so that all the activity gets transferred. So just if you were to get a Boomtown account or a KB Core or anything, but high level has so many more features than all those CRMs that it's like a real estate CRM on steroids. So that's what we, that's what we use in our side funnels. It's just going to depend what we're going to, where we're going to put them on. If it's a Google or if it's on YouTube or if it's in, it just depends what the strategy is for that campaign. Got it. What about transaction coordination? Transaction coordination, believe it or not, it might sound basic and silly. We we build everything out through Asana. We have our processes through our Asana. We have our own TC. All of our people have to go through our TC. And the reason is because of compliance. Like I want to know if somebody's screwing up ahead of time before the deal closes and I hear about it later. Yeah. 
Okay. Asana is it's just another tool. It's a great tool. Good. What other tech stuff? Any cool apps, any cool websites that you guys found and using? I'll give an example. We just got interviewed a guy that does a lot of, I don't want to spoiler alert yet because it hasn't been released yet, but he's doing a lot of consulting like you for other brokerages. And one of the tools that they found and they recommend is AM Cards, which is basically, it's a website that shoots out. It looks like handwritten, but it's not really handwritten. The machine does that, but it looks like handwritten written cards. So it's not your normal postcard. It's not a letter. It's a greeting card and it comes in an envelope and postage. Really cool. Looks like handwritten. They integrate your own handwritten signature. And I, I heard that one. I said, Ooh, I love that one. Let's go look at it. So any other cool stuff like that you've either used right now or have seen other clients use and you thought it could be very interesting? Yeah, we do. So because we are a marketing agency, we do custom solutions for every campaign. So like we have some off, if we're looking for a property in a certain neighborhood, we might use, and we've done this before, where we'll write an entire offer package, put it in a messenger and hire a messenger service to deliver it with a signature. Oh, wow. So is it going to cost us more? It is, but you're going to pay for leads one way or the other. And it's going to, it's going to stand out how many agents are actually hiring a messenger service to deliver an already offer with a pre-approved or cash cash offer, whatever it may be, straight to the front door and getting the signature for it. Yeah, that will definitely make somebody go, oh, wow. Yeah, these guys are serious. It's that's so when you ask, is there anything, there's all kinds of stuff from chat GPT, Descript is another video editing software. I mean, there's the amount of technology that we pay for and have access to is just ridiculous just because we're always testing something. I'm glad you mentioned Descript. We use them as well. We use them to edit this podcast, for example. And for the listeners that don't have never heard about Descript, it starts with a Descript and it's basically AI-enabled video editing software. So you load your video. For example, we'll load this video of the recording of the podcast. And then the AI automatically transcribes video. And then when you want to edit some stuff, instead of dealing with, do I need to edit this minute and a second to this minute, cut this out, add this in, all you have to do is basically edit the text. So if I said something and I want to get it removed, all I have to do is delete that line in the text and then automatically it's gone from the video. And one of the other cool features that I love about it is they find those filler words that we all have. Some of us have that or okay or ah, and it's the brain's thing of putting some verbal filler while the brain thinks about what the word next word is going to be. The software knows how to recognize those filler words. And then in one click of a button, it just gone. They delete all your filler words from the entire video. So that's pretty cool. I'm glad you mentioned that software. It's, it's a great software for any one of those agents and brokers that are generating video content. Absolutely highly recommend them as well. Yeah. And I was just on a, because of all the marketing that we do, like one of the certifications that I hold as an agency owner, we're part of a different just advertising community. And they were doing a training on Tuesday and they were going about Descript and the way they use it. And like, they went out and hired a video editor to create the templates and they threw them into Descript. So then now they have, they just throw their video in this template and it does all, however they like their videos to be seen. It's all done 
automatically. So instead of ha having to hire a video editor to make it pretty or do it themselves, it, it's already done that. And then also, like you said, with the filler words, you know, what I had learned, like they have the gap blanks, right? Where you can insert, I don't know if that's, if you do that. So when you, when you get rid of the ums or the okays, you can, if it sounds a little choppy, you can actually check something where it'll add a blank so that there's still that space and it sounds more normal. Yeah, that's just, they do have a creepy feature <laughs> and I yeah. still haven't signed off on it, but they can, you can load a video and teach the software how to recognize your voice. And then that turns into, okay, now I can type the text and the, the software, the script is going to fill it up with your words in your voice and absolutely deep fake creepy kind of vibe to it but it's a fantastic tool for somebody that just feel more comfortable writing things and then just dropping them as a text great for audio if you do a podcast without the video section of it or again if you need to edit a section of the video and you have to add a few words into it that that's creepy but absolutely amazing that they're capable of doing yeah no there's ai is it literally to me feels like it came like at a thousand miles an hour this year right like somebody just flipped the switch and said okay because it's been around but the adopting of it right everybody's doing it but there's a lot of nuances to it and that's where people have to really understand unfortunately our industry has i always say it's the copy paste industry always say hey i wanted i need an ad that works well this ad works for this town this place this angle this strategy but if you're across the country it may not work for you so yeah. you have to be careful with what technology you're implementing and just stay on top of it. And like I said, because we're a marketing agency, we have to do it for our clients. It's like another job, but we love it. But I'm going, as a matter of fact, I'm going here in a couple of weeks to an AI summit where it's just going to be three days of how people are using no code software and all these other things to make six, six, seven figure businesses, not related to real estate, but all AI powered. Yeah. And we just did training to for our agents about the chat GPT. And almost everybody got the idea of, okay, I can go in and tell it, okay, give me a description for a listing or help me do this post on Facebook. But what a lot of people don't realize is this tool is so sophisticated that not only you can give it writing guidelines. So for example, write it in the style of Grant Cardone or write it in the voice of JK Rowling. And that thing reacts and knows how to adjust accordingly. But it also knows to, and this is the biggest thing for the AI over Google, for example, is there's a continuity of conversation. So you ask for something and it gives you a response. You can then give it new directions to adjust. So I want it shorter. I want it longer. I want it more humoristic. I want it at a level that a fifth grader can understand. And you can continue to have a conversation with the chat GPT tool to the point until you get, like you said, something that fits your audience in your area, in your market, and not just a generic, the first response that the chat GPT was able to spit out based on your initial request. Yeah, 100%. And I think the biggest thing, one of the people say, oh, it's going to take people's jobs. It's actually creating jobs because the new career that people are going to need to master is how to write the appropriate prompts to what you want out of the AI. That, but that's historically how humanity 
adapt to technology. If you look at 20 years ago, if I was a legal office and I needed to get an answer about a case precedence or anything else, some poor person had to sit in the library, go through tens or hundreds of books to try to figure out the answer. And then Google came in and scanned all the legal libraries and boom, now you have it at the tip of your fingertip, at the tips of your hands. And you don't need that person, that job disappeared. But guess what? There's a lot of other related jobs that are technology driven that didn't exist 20 years ago. 20 years ago, there was no such thing as social media manager. Now there is. There was no such thing as a video editor on the level that we have today. The only, exactly. the only video editors that were 20 years ago is the people with the scissors and the glue that was putting the film together. So we're in a different world and humanity knows how to adapt to technology and shift the jobs from this to that based on the new technology. So I agree with you. I don't think I'll rephrase. I absolutely agree that AI is going to eliminate a lot of jobs, but at the same time, it will open jobs that we can't even think about today because we haven't met them yet. I think I read, I was reading somewhere in one AI newsletter, it said it's supposed to eliminate 87 million jobs, but generate 95 million jobs. I believe it. So, you know, it's one of those things, but until they act, until that transition happens, you're going to get people who get paralyzed by the fear of it, right? It's that kind of thing. And I think one in the training that I was at on Tuesday, the guy put it, really eloquently and i'll probably butcher it but i'll try to recap it as good as he said it was ai that we have right now is not necessarily true ai it's machine learning and what we have to remember is that ai like gpt what it does is it makes calculations it handles calculations and data sets and things that the human brain can't do at that volume but it still needs human creativity to make it what you want the end result to be. Correct. Now, but it is changing, right? The more we use it to generate new content, now the next iteration of the AI is going to consume AI-driven content. Yeah, 100%. So that's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds over the years. Based on your experience, and you mentioned earlier you worked under big brands, you owned a franchise of a big brand and kept going back to independent. What's the hardest thing about being an independent broker? I think the hardest thing about being an independent broker is you don't have the knowledge just readily available that you would at a big brand. So at a big brand, at a big box. And if you haven't run a business before, if you don't have any kind of marketing background or operations background or anything like that, and you just got your real estate license and you decide to go independent, unless you're really hungry and you're willing to spend the money, time and energy to go find out what you need to know, you're going to struggle. Versus if you go to a big brand and you decide to buy a franchise, you're buying a business in the box. Right. They already yeah. did all the work. You just have to go push the buttons. So that, that's your way to mitigate that that pain. That so I think that's one of the biggest challenges. But to me, like I said, I always go back to independent because I like the nimbleness, the adaptability of an independent brokerage. If I want to wake up tomorrow and create an entire new strategy, I don't have to get it approved by anybody but me. 
True, true. Is that the best part about being an independent broker? 100%. The flexibility is the flexibility and the nimbleness of being able to change and meet the needs of the market and the people that I work with when I need it. Uh, gotcha. So be respectful of your time. We, we ask everybody the same question at the end. And it's, I think that's the most revealing question for everybody. If you could go back in time to your younger self, what would be the best advice you'd give yourself? Build your database and guard it, nurture it, and use it like your life depended on it. That's a great advice. That is a great advice. What's the goals for 2023? We want to get out there and start. We're not looking to be a ginormous brokerage. My goal is to have, I'm also licensed in Arizona. So if we can have 25 to 50 agents per office, we're good because we want them to be producing. But we're not looking to, we want to have intimate relationships with our agents. And we want to make sure that we're creating business owners, not just bodies. Because even though we don't have a cap, but we also don't have any monthly fees. We're not looking to just, this isn't, oh, hey, we're going to make money on whether you make money or not. No, we don't make money unless you make money. So my goal is to get that message out there and really educate and just be out there, do a lot more. I've spoken at a lot of different places and just be more present and out there and helping as many agents as I can. During the last downturn, I used to teach short sell classes. I owned a short sell negotiation company at a bunch of different associations. I spoke for with a lot of the big banks. And so just getting back out there and just, this is the time that I love is going out there and helping people and teaching them what they, maybe somebody else didn't teach them. Yeah, a lot of the new generation haven't heard about short sale. There's only a few yeah. of us old timers that have done this back in 08. Yeah, uh, no, I'm my first short sale. I started with Washington Mutual representative in Southern California, and we closed it with a representative in Florida. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Lermo, if our audience wants to reach out, talk, shop, or maybe use one of your agency services, how can they find you? And we'll put all the links in the show notes. So the easiest way for anything real estate is info at surffirstrealty.com. Okay. And we'll make sure we'll put it in the show notes. so Everybody will have the the right spelling for that. Yeah. It's just serve first. That's my, that's my mantra is you got to deliver value first. So that's why it's serve first realty. Sounds good. Awesome. Glamour, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. And for you, the audience, if you want to hear more uh, from great experts like Guillermo here, or if you want to give us a shout out, feel free. Please subscribe to the channel. Give us a review on iTunes, Teachers, Amazon, wherever you consume the podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. That was awesome. I learned something new. I hope you did too. And if you want to learn more from our expert, please subscribe to the channel and share with your friends.